that something so exquisite as art can contain, always, such blindness and hatred. It's a conundrum from which I couldn't look away. Hearing it play back, I could really hear where I'm from. I can really hear where I'm located in these poems. I was really surprised by the fact that I did okay, and it was actually really fun. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet poets Robin Cost Lewis, Philip Williams, and Elizabeth Velasquez. Step into the recording booth and learn how these authors' books of poetry and novel in verse came to be. Plus, hear what each writer learned about themselves during the recording process. Enjoy. Hi, this is Robin Cost Lewis, author of Voyage of the Sable Venus and other poems. There are multiple reasons and inspirations for my book. The long version is life (laughs) and how heinous life can be because of the ways in which we entertain hatred and xenophobia, but also the beauty of life, right? Even in the context of all the hells we live in, that there's still such profound sweetness at times between each other and the way a building is designed. So certainly that. But the title poem, which is the poem that most people know from the book, is an excavation of Western art history. And I think that was certainly the motivating factor because the Western art historical canon is a very racist and sexist one. And that just messed with my mind and still messes with my mind, that something so exquisite as art can contain always, always, such blindness and hatred. It's a conundrum, you know, from which I couldn't look away. If I had to describe the experience of recording my audiobook, A Voyage, it would be sublime. I think the highest art and the highest gift another human being can give to another is to read to another and to be read by another. It's something that I think human beings have been doing before we were upright. And so I'm always honored to read work as opposed to have it read. Both are pretty special, but to be able to offer a reading to readers as opposed to a text so that they can really listen to language, which is such an exquisite medium for art. It just thrills me. That's an understatement. I don't know. I'm very honored. This is such a great question. Is there a word or phrase I realized I didn't know how to pronounce? There are so many because voyage, very consciously on my part, evokes many different international and global languages. So, you know, I am constantly making mistakes or I get tongue-tied or things like that. But also just within English, I found out in this reading that I've been pronouncing boatswain wrong for, I don't know, 20 years. Boat, I can't, how do you say it, Joe? Boatswain, which doesn't make any sense to me because boatswain is so much more elegant. And archipelago, which I always put the stress on the A at the end, archipelago. 
I wonder if that's a Spanish or Italian translation that has somehow dug its way into my English. I don't know, but I have a hard time remembering the English pronunciation. I'm very excited for readers to have the title poem, Voyage of the Sable Venus, recorded. For many years, I stopped reading that poem because, one, I could not read it in its entirety because it's 79 pages, but two, because the material is very complex historically with regard to violence. And so I rarely read even an excerpt from it when I'm touring. So partly, really, mainly, the reason why I agreed to do an audio of my book was so that I could finally give the reader this poem, this long poem, in an audio file because for so many years I wasn't able to read it publicly. My dream narrator would be, it's hard to choose, but the first person who comes to mind is Toni Morrison. I grew up since I was 16 listening to her books on audio after reading them. Her devotion to language is legend, and her devotion to transforming English, a language of colonialism, into a black aesthetic tool is something that I marveled over for decades. And, you know, I would just listen to her and rewind and rewind and rewind. I'm dating myself to cassettes just to hear how she pronounced a sentence, you know. And so, sure, it would be Toni Morrison, but I'm also thinking of somebody like Lena Horne. I think what I'm getting at, the thing that both those two people have in common is that they knew in very profound ways that we don't speak enough about that their voice was a very strong instrument. Not a pretty instrument, not a polite instrument, not any of those things we unfortunately and habitually attribute to women artists. Both Morrison and Horn, their voices were brass, and they weren't afraid of it. They weren't afraid of that strength and that power in their voice, and they knew how to manipulate it as well as Coltrane or any other musician. Well, I do listen to many audiobooks, and it's hard to say the last one I enjoyed because I flip-flop back and front while I'm on walks listening to them or on drives. But I hate to be this one-trick pony, but the best audiobook I've ever listened to was Ruby Dee reading Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. I have never in my life heard anything so exquisite because Ruby Dee has the acting chops of a genius. The other audiobook that remains for me a thing of profound wonder is Fear Itself. It was narrated by the fantastically brilliant actor Don Cheadle, and somehow he was able to flip through every character with such elasticity and verve that it changed me as a writer. I'm talking, of course, about Fear Itself by the great writer Walter Mosley. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is while I'm driving. That's so L.A. of me. But especially when I go on long road trips that last weeks and weeks, there's nothing like having a whole stack of audiobooks. I also very much love to listen while I'm falling asleep or going for a walk. I just think it's a very special art form. And now, please listen to a clip from my audiobook. In their heaven, God is a politician who can't get enough votes to be the dog catcher. 
All the bodies we have missed return, outline with fluorescent chalk. The sun is a big green apple dangling in a scarlet sky. Masses of people bind themselves up onto tall birch poles to be pecked at all day by anti-intellectual crows. All the trash cans have saber teeth. After school, they snatch and swallow the slight bodies of brown boys. Hi, this is Philip B. Williams, author of Mutiny. Something that I learned about myself during the process of recording the audiobook is just being able to listen to myself and, and hear myself and hear regionalisms and where I come from, how it shows up in the pacing of the poems, the rhythms of the poems, the speed at which I read, the chopping up of words or, you know, getting rid of the NG sounds. I learned a lot about how I sound, and I think an instance of that would be in the poem Mascot, how it is written in a particular faux dialect meant to be satirical, but there are also ways that my mouth naturally form some of these words and just, you know, hearing how it sounds to others, like hearing it play back, I could really hear where I'm from. I can really hear where I'm located in these poems. Mushmouth's Maybe Crown is another one with repeating those M words. I'm pretty much tattooed by my location with how I speak. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exhausting. I can barely keep my eyes open <laughs> afterward. And really, it's the intensity of sitting with the work for so long straight through, but then also the body, the way my eyes were just so tired of looking at the palms on the iPad. It's a physical and mental exercise to do, but it was actually very fun. I realized I had trouble pronouncing absolutely everything, particularly still. Maybe I'm not even saying it right. So still versus steal, as in to take from someone, versus still, still, which is to not move. I think I'm saying them correctly now, but who knows? Also, I take the N sounds off of most of my words. So instead of saying friend, I was saying friend. So yeah, I can't really pronounce much very well. I'm proud that I was able to take directions. I am a little ditzy, so <laughs> when told to do something, I usually have to ask several follow-up questions, but I think I did a pretty good job at understanding what my producer, Simone, was telling me to do, so I'm proud of myself for that. I'm excited that listeners will hear something that is more polished than I thought I would be able to do. I'm used to, you know, just going to a podium and doing the poems with whatever raw emotion I have. But, you know, we really took time to create something beautiful here. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast another poet. I would cast Yusef Komanyaka to do it because he has a cool, suave voice, and I like the way that he reads his own poems. 
The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethewey. I think she's the only one who could have brought the energy, the gravitas that was necessary to the work. Anyone else, I think, would have missed the mark. It's such a harrowing book, and she didn't shy away from those moments. And because she you know, intimately experienced them, she knew exactly how to bring out the right textures of her work in audio format. My favorite place to listen to audio books is on my couch. I like to recline and let them play as with music and just engulf my headphones or fill up the room. And now I hope you'll enjoy this clip from my audiobook. I used to be friends with a man who raped a woman whom he told was too dark for anyone to believe, though he himself was no lighter than the black hole he had become, which means he did not believe himself, thus hated himself, and will hate beyond himself. Though he did not know it at the time that to rape a black woman was to hate the world and to be dead, to want to be dead, to need to be dead, because to be born from one's unfounded hatred is to be holy and forever zero to the white meat. And she, the woman who shared her story, had been for years holding on to his violence, his hatred toward her, handed off like a clue, as in, what do you know of yourself? As in, my hatred birthed me. Now, so will you. Hi, this is Elizabeth Velasquez, and I am the author of When We Make It. My book was inspired by the idea of what it means to be successful, growing up in situations that everyone tells you is not ideal for success. And so I really wanted to interrogate what success meant to me. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be surprising. I did not think that I would enjoy listening to my voice for eight hours. I was really worried about making the characters come alive and what that would sound like out loud. It's a totally different thing when you're writing a book on your own in your head and then having to read that book out loud. So I was really surprised by the fact that I did okay. And it was actually really fun. So that's another word that I would use. Surprising and fun. There wasn't a word or phrase that I realized I didn't know how to pronounce. But there were moments where I realized that I used the S sound a lot. And I used them consecutively. So even now, right, I feel like... I sounded like I was doing a tongue twister. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. A couple of poems in the book felt less like poems and more like tongue twisters. And so I'm definitely paying attention to how close I am writing these S sounds from now on in my poetry. One of the things that I did to prepare for recording my audiobook was listen to a lot of audiobooks. And I was worried that I had to sound a particular way. 
in order to really deliver the book in a way that was audiobook ready, whatever I thought that meant in my head. And so I was really excited and happy when I asked the question, like, how do I need to sound? Do I need to sound a particular way? Which I guess really was asking for permission to sound like myself without getting in trouble for asking that. (laughs) And I was really just happy when the director and the audio engineer said exactly that, right? Just sound like yourself. And I think that that really is also such a metaphor for being out in the world. Just sound like yourself. Just be yourself. That really allowed me to take this audiobook where it needed to go. If I had not recorded this audiobook myself, my dream narrator would be Rosie Perez, obviously. Rosie was such a huge part of my childhood. And she had what everybody else called a distinct voice. But to me, it was just a normal voice because she sounded like everybody in my neighborhood sounded. So, Rosie, if you out there, let's figure something out. I have been listening to Clint Smith's How the Word is Passed, and Clint Smith is also a poet, so it has been really dope to listen to Clint narrate these experiences in a poetic way. I mean, you can hear the poetry, the cadence, and it's just been really dope to listen to that audiobook. I think it might be one of my favorite audiobooks so far. I really like to listen to audiobooks when I'm cleaning the house. It makes the chore seem less like a chore. So I'll be cleaning the crib just listening to poetry or biography or some historical book. But also when I'm on the train or when I travel, it just makes the time go by so much faster. And at the end, my floors are cleaner and I'm smarter. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook, When We Make It. Let's start the story where abandon meets faith. Aight, so boom, check it. I'm named after a homegirl in the Bible who couldn't have kids. Her man Abraham was all like, yo, Sarai, God promised me I would be the father of nations. Sarai was all like, nah, B, you must be bugging. You know I can't have no babies. Our pastor says faith is believing in something you can't really see. According to mommy, we should never put our faith in men. Mommy was pregnant with me when Papi bounced for some new chick and told mommy to have an abortion. Abraham got himself a new chick too, got her pregnant and all that. I guess mommy identified with Sarai's fear and doubt, and so I was born out of mommy's faith and hope. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.